Okay. Hi, this is MG. And Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are... Sober Sisters Talk. Yeah. We're a podcast that um, brings to you some a couple of sober women. We've worked multiple programs. We have long-term sobriety. And we want to talk to you about um, taking our sober program out into the world and what the things that come up that we deal with that either with sponsees or our own issues that we, um, we'd like to bring to you. So right today, Melody has a topic. And my topic today is about celebrating your anniversary. And I know that in AA, it's a real um, big event. A lot of clubs, you know, have birthday nights where they celebrate, where people go up and speak and, you know, sponsors and sponsees. And I really love that about AA. But, you know, in the other program that we work in, SLAW, we don't really have that. We don't have enough of a fellowship, I think, to really, like, warrant, you know, birthday nights or, you know, doing something Well, we kind of do, but, and there's other areas of the country where they do have big ones, but I don't know. I don't know why we don't do that. Right. um, That's a good, you know, that's a good question. Yeah. And, you know, so I had an anniversary this past week. I had eight years in uh, that fellowship. And, you know, I, the meeting that I usually like to go to was last night and, uh, I went and I biked and I swam and I came home and was wiped plumb out. I just was like, I'm just not going to go celebrate because I'm tired. And, you know, one of the things that I've really learned in our program is, you know, self-care is paramount. And so I got, uh, you know, I texted PA about getting me a chip. So I'm going to go to Intergroup tomorrow morning, and she's going to get me a chip. And she was like, at 6.50. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Here's you your chip. You have to pay for it? Yes, yeah. Give me some money. And so I was like, all right. And I don't mind, you know. I it, It's fine. I want to get that chip because I do want to celebrate for myself that as a milestone because I usually don't. And for some reason, this year just really, you know, made me be reflective about where I really was eight, eight years, years ago. ago. Yeah. And I think that that's the big thing and that why we should celebrate because even with my, you know, AA birthday, you know, this... Um, Hang on, let me count. So it was 1990, so it was 28 years I had on March 3rd. And, you know, and I rarely go and celebrate that at, you know, at AA. And, you know, I have a dear friend um, that says, you know, you don't celebrate for you. You celebrate for them. You need to show them what 30 years of sobriety looks like. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's a (laughs) good recommendation or not. I mean... I think I'm pretty happy, but others might say, you know, look at her and be judgy or whatever. So that's why I kind of don't. Well, you know, so I have like a lot of stuff going on about this. Um, For when I first came in to SLAA, it was really easy for me to mark my AA recovery, my AA sobriety. I simply stopped drinking on this date and haven't picked up since. And that's very easy for me to mark. SLAA was not um, the first. Well, I was in for a year before I actually said this is my this is my um, my date, 
And then even after that, that particular, there's so much gray area, you know, um, because I didn't like completely break off contact with him. And so um, I never really marked my days for a long time. I did mark 30 days and 60 days of no contact because that was just, it felt so good to be able to like put days together of not having contact with him. But um, somewhere along the line, I think I picked up a few year chips and then I stopped because I just was like, I don't really see the point. However, now I'm going to be 14 years this August and I do pick up, I don't pick up chips, but I do announce it um, to the group that I go to because I do think it's important for them to know like that, number one, I've been here for a long time right? and that uh, it is possible because when you come in, it's hard to just do 24 freaking hours. <laughs> One one day chip. Jesus, I was you just know? like crying when I took that chip. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I think I did one day, I did it. And then one day, twenty four hours, and then the week, and then oh, the month, oh. and and I actually like even now, like when I see people take chips, I can see the relief it, as it starts to take effect, and it's never instantaneous. It's not even instantaneous with. With alcohol or drugs, when you stop doing it, it does help. But there's so much more work to it. Right. And that's what I really um, want to be able to portray to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I've seen a lot of lists that go around where they don't say sobriety date. They say member since. And, you know, I first got into SLAW like in 2007. And so if my, like, what I call my firm sobriety day, when I really, you know, was all in, you know, was September of 2009, and then one of my bottom lines was not to do internet stalking. And, you know, it was, it was just one day I thought, I got to find out what he's doing. And I just, like, went online and, and spent, like, about three hours just doing it, just looking up and checking shit out and you know, looking at other people's Facebooks that knew him. And I just, you know, that was one of my bottom lines. And so it was like a huge slip for me. So I got back, you know, into the program. So, but two years I audited Slaw. I went in and out. I think you were like my fourth sponsor. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, people kept firing me because I wouldn't quit. But I don't think that, you know, I do think that with SLAA more than other programs it really is the decision it really is making the decision to work the program mm -hmm. um and because that's my sobriety date is the same date you know like i did see him again after that i did have contact with him mm -hmm. but i was firm in my recovery mm -hmm. and i was firm in that i was you know gonna stick with it and i think really you know and but everybody has to decide for themselves you know well, yeah well, I've had some sponsees say I want to change my sobriety date because I've acted out of my bottom lines and I want to change it and I say great let's change it and then I have some people act out and then they say but I don't want to change my sobriety date and so how do you feel about that what do you counsel people about that well I mean it's I, I think 
it really, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I think it depends on what the acting out is, you know? Yes, I agree, because I feel like there's like, <laughs> I judge that there are levels and gradations. Like, you know, one of my sponsees was talking about that they had done something uh, on the internet, doing some searching, but it really wasn't about their qualifier, but it could have been, so she considered that an acting out. So, but there's this other component, like what is it going to do to the, you know, I have sponsees that are fragile and some that are, you know, strong, you know, and there's some that, like, I don't, I don't want something like your sobriety date to ruin our relationship if I'm going to be a stickler with it. Yeah. And so how serious is she working the program? How... You know, how serious is she in her step work? How serious is she in showing up? You know, those things to me all come into it, you know, and I kind of let them lead. There's some, I have some sponsees that I could be like, come on, you're lying. You know, this is like, you're not being true. And there's some that I just go, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I kind of think of it, you know, did you get high? I kind of asked them that question. I'm like, did you get high off that? And they were like, no, not really. But one of their bottom lines was not like, you know, internet searching. And I'm like, okay, so if that's a trigger for you to go and start doing research. But it was like a phone call that they had received. And they went out there and they were doing that. And I said, were you really trying to just figure out if that was a spammer? Or were you trying to see if that was their number? She's like, no, no, it was really. And then I'm like, okay. You know, that I don't consider that a slip, but it felt slippery to her, so... There is, too, you know, um, a pamphlet that... It, it's something like a return to sobriety or something about slips, mm. something... Mm, 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 and mm. that thing yeah, is really good. That thing will really, like, define, yeah. you know? And so if it is someone who's struggling with that, you can be like, um, why don't we work through this pamphlet right? and see, you know, and you could just like work through it as a, as a method of dealing with whatever their behavior was. And then, you know, it, through that, you can, it will lead you to the question, you know, I have a sponsee that um, acted out and then found out she was pregnant. Um, oh no! Months later. Oh no! Yeah, and ended up, you know, terminating the pregnancy because of it. And I'm never gonna say to her like, "You need to change your sobriety date," because of that. All of the grief and the pain that she's going through way exceeds, you know, whatever whatever consequences there are from getting a new sobriety chip you know yeah yeah and then there's other ones who are sticklers that need you know that need to and it just i think it's so much a i I don't know i guess maybe i'm doing somewhat disservice if i'm not you know a stickler on that i don't really it, it just doesn't seem to matter to me in sla there's such a gray area you can't have no contact with all men. I just think that's bullshit. When somebody says, I'm in no contact with all men, how do you do that? If you go to the grocery store and you got a man bagging your groceries, like you tell him to stop, you know, you grab your groceries. 
Well, I, I remember that that was one of the things that, you know, I, I think you had me do where it was like, you know, uh, put these relationships on pause, like these male friendships. And there was, you know, when I was in, they were talking about, and one, one you know, OG, I'll call her an OG, you know, an old gangster, you know, um, you know, woman told me, I said, well, even my, even my gay male friends? And she said, yes. And she told me a story about how that she was, you know, over at her uh, friend's house and she wasn't in AA and they'd been drinking and, you know, and she was crying to him about, you know, such and such. And he was like, I just love you. And they started hugging. And then it was just like, they were both like, you know, a little bit drunk. And then before you know it, it kind of turned into a, a a sexual thing that both of them were like kind of caught unawares and so she was like you know it's just because they're gay doesn't mean that you know things can't happen and so it was and I remember you know I had two friends that I was you know friends with that I said listen I'm doing this work right now and I may not have be able to speak with you for the next you know three months or whatever and they were both very supportive. They were like, do what you got to do. I'm here for you. I'm your friend. It's okay. And that, and then I remember you saying to me, well, that's all I really wanted you to do was just to be willing to do that. And that, you know, if I didn't, um, like have no contact with these individuals, it might be more difficult. And it certainly was with one of my guy friends. He's a great hugger. He loves to hug. And I remember he gave me a full body hug and he was my friend, but I was like, I like this guy. And it was a little triggering for me. And so then I had to do the side hug things and that was like, oh, that was a ridiculous thing. But yeah, so. Um, but, you know, there's also the school of thought. Like if you, you remove yourself from interaction and engagement with all men or women from the opposite sex or whatever your qualifying sex is, then at what point do you open that up again? You know, what mm-hmm. makes it what makes it okay again? And yeah. and I you know, and you and I have differing opinions around this. I really don't um you know, when I have a new sponsee I don't recommend that they just do women's meetings, you know. I recommend that they do um, co-ed meetings because I think it's good for I want them <laughs> to hear the craziness you know recognize that the men in SLAA what is the issues you know listen to them don't just look at them and go like oh he's so cute you know when they start talking about their stuff and they're still married and they are you know dating multiple women or they're so afraid of somebody needing them or the only way that they get you know a high off a woman is when she needs them or you know yeah. when they start sharing that stuff then you I'm like ooh I don't want that that's not what I'm look you know and yeah. that yeah. for me that turns off the attraction button really quick right right and and my view on that is that for me when I first got into law that I was in a super vulnerable place and that, um, and, and, you know, that's why I got involved. You know, I have like the guy that's like my second to last qualifier, which was like the big guy in my life, someone I really loved and I'd known for a long time. 
And, you know, when I got involved in uh, acting and there was a guy that was like, I feel like I make up was a little bit of a predator or, or that he sniffed out my vulnerability and took advantage. So it, it didn't happen in SLAW, it happened outside of SLAW. And I think that whether you're in SLAW or not, you're vulnerable. When you first, you know, begin to start shifting things around and coming to uh, your bottom around that program, and when I mean vulnerable, I was in a lot of pain. I didn't have a lot of clarity about um, boundaries or how to set them, but I knew that I was in a lot of pain. And so this person, you know, took advantage of that. I think this is probably someone that belongs in our fellowship as well. But it was, um, you know, I felt like he vibed off my energy, and we connected. And so I just. You know, I, I feel protective of my young sponsees, but you know, when they people talk about like twelve step recovery being a cult, well, you know, in a cult you do what you're told. And I have never had a sponsee ever do what they were told. <laughs> so, you know, I've I might <laughs> I might make a recommendation and say don't yeah, but, but you know they're still gonna do what they want. They're gonna do what they want and uh and for you know i mean it's a divine thing we don't know for what reason but you know when i look about milestones for me i felt like you know my last sobriety date was a good benchmark a good date for me to stay firm with and but i really liked my previous date. my previous date was you know september 24th i remember it and that was when i you know um, change my phone number that was the day that I sent the text and said please don't contact me in any form I want to have like I want to have an end to our relationship and I did that and I pulled my SIM card out of my phone that was when you could do that and it was actually my work phone and it was a real huge deal because I had to go to the woman who did the phones at my company and say I gotta change my phone number and she was really compassionate and and I said and I can't really tell you why and she was kind of like okay you know come by this afternoon at three and we'll do it so I did it and um, and so it was you know for me that was like that was the decision like you talk about for me putting make putting myself all in and you know and I tell the story I said you know I was so willing I said, if my sponsor would have said, you know, put on a funny hat and run up and down this road, I would have been like jogging with a stupid hat on my head. I was willing to do whatever it took because my way certainly hadn't been working. And that was really the turning point in my recovery when I was like, yeah, what you got? Well, I think we all, I mean, I don't know about everybody, but I certainly was willful and trying to do it halfway and trying to do it, you know, well, maybe I could just do this part, but not that part. I had all, you know, that kind of, and then did get to a point where I was, okay, I'm all in. Whatever you say, I'll do it. And that's when I really started to gain sobriety. But I was, you know, when you were was talking. It, was this after you got out of jail or was this before you went to jail? No, that was after I got out of jail. Yeah, that was like in the, when, as soon as I went to jail, I stopped drinking. It was like that. I mean, even before, the, the when I was arrested that night, that was the end. I haven't picked up a drink since then. But my sobriety in SLAA was like four years later. And um, that was longer. 
Well, I think I started going four years later. <laughs> My sobriety. It's a long time coming. <laughs> it took a little bit longer. I think there's 10 years. I think I've got 18 or 19 years sober in SLAA and uh, 14 years, almost 14. And so there's four years between them. Oh, 18 years in AA and then 14, and then 14, 14 years. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But I was doing that, you know, I was trying to break free from that the whole time. But the other point that I wanted to make was that I think that it is really, you know, those that 24-hour chip, that one-week chip. Yeah. The 30-day chip. Yeah. Um, you know, the two, three months, whatever it is, two months, Even three months, AA, six months. Even in AA, it's huge. Yeah. I think those are just like, I think they're so, because sometimes that's the only thing that will keep you going. I remember um, when I was in SLAA, there was a, a girl there named Jennifer. And Jennifer and I, we were going to meetings and I would have 30 days and she'd be picking up a desire chip and then she would have 30 days and I'd be picking up one and <laughs> going back. And then she'd get two months and I'd be like, damn, I want two months. And I felt like it, but it was, it, it was part of the motivation. Yeah. And, you know, when I was sitting there balled up in my bed, you know, wanting to call him, oh, but I don't want to pick up another desire chip, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was part of the motivation. Yeah. And yeah. it's helpful, you know? It doesn't seem, it seems kind of, you know, innocuous, but it doesn't matter it's because. It's an outward symbol of an inner commitment. So. To stop doing it. Yeah. To stop. And that's what it takes is, you know, MG, it takes a huge commitment to work an SLAA program. I think as, you know, for me, I think the the more difficult, AA was very easy to walk in. I quit. I give. But food, sex, Mm -hmm, relationships, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even money Mm -hmm. were way more challenging. Mm -hmm. And I put it off a lot longer. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if I would have done it when I first thought, maybe I need, you know, mm-hmm. go and just do it. But no, I have to wait until it's, I'm miserable. Yeah, I think they call them process addictions, you know, that there's, you know, it's not just this cut and dried sort of thing. And I mean, even giving up cigarettes was like more difficult for me than it was quitting drinking. And, you know, I had a therapist once talk to me about the difference between alcohol use, alcohol abuse, and alcohol addiction. And so I realized, you know, I was not addicted to alcohol, but that's not, you know, what AA is based on about alcohol addiction. And, you know, so I definitely wasn't addicted, but I was addicted to cigarettes for sure. Because when I gave up cigarettes, it was like, I want a cigarette. I had a craving for it. And the withdrawal took about a week for me. And even when I worked at Bobby Yaga, I used to um, have to, this was when there were cigarette machines. When was the last time you ever saw a cigarette machine? And I had to fill them up with these fresh cigarettes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'd smell that pack. Soft packages. Oh yes, you know. Yeah, I could smell it. Just say, yeah. saying that. And just I just want to like, pack it and open yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I mean, you know, if there was a meteor headed towards the earth, you know, I'd probably smoke a cigarette and, you know, eat some chocolate cake. I probably wouldn't do anything else, but it wouldn't even be, be good now because it would. I, I don't mm-hmm. really have any, sometimes I do, I mean, but I don't have a strong desire to um, smoke a cigarette, but if there was a meteor, I might smoke some pot. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then you I, chocolate I heard that pot is really good these days, you know. I've heard they've yes. done some really good things to pot. So. I've heard that it's like way stronger than the yeah. shit that we uh-huh. have gotten. And, the, and there's different strains. Like you can get marijuana that just like calms you you could get marijuana that'll make you laugh and marijuana that will uh, like uh, energy yeah yeah that's the one i want <laughs> well my brother is retiring we might be triggering our audience we're sorry we're, sorry. we're, just, we're just playing we're playing we're not really gonna go there's I, that, no meteor we're, headed towards the earth know, and i want to i do want to point out that 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 is part of the process and that is the health of long-term sobriety is that I do know like, and I really realize like what I've, what, what I'm able to do with that pot smoking analogy is to go, okay, that feels like it might feel, it sounds like it might feel good to smoke some pot, but then I go like, oh, but it really only feels good just to get high, like to obtain it. And I really only want to do it for like, 15 minutes and then I want it to go away and then what's left so I'm able to think through because then there's the down part and I get sleepy or I want to eat and I I don't want any of that you know I just want to have that high and then have it go away and it's not like that it has this lingering like thing that I don't really like no, honestly, if there were a meteor headed towards the earth, I'd go visit my family, I'd visit my friends, I'd probably go to church. I mean, that's the reality of it, is that I would want to, you know, deepen my relationship with people, and I would want to, you know, look in their eyes and hug them and tell them I loved them and, and do that. I wouldn't want to go back to, you know, that anorexic, or, you, know, you know, any like, of that, yeah. Feel like you know that drugs are a form of anorexia. They are. It's we're, a wall. We're cutting ourselves off from from you know God, from love, and others, and love, warm and personal that. regard. Yeah, but yeah. you know, uh, so so yeah, so. Um, I wanted to mention though to our audience, you know, if you're if you find that thought intriguing and you do have some type of acting out behavior that you covet still. Email us. Tell us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what it is that you think about if the world was coming to an end. Would you go call your qualifier? Or would you, you know, go buy a fifth of Jack? Or would you drink that bottle of wine? Or, you know, what would you do? Would you do any of it? Would you, are you so, do you have such an aversion to it that you're just, no, I'm not interested in any of that. I feel really clean and I want to, I want to die that way or end the world that way. So, you know, we, we are interested and I would like to hear what it is that you guys yeah if you have any thoughts around that yeah yeah I don't know how we got off on that tangent I don't either that was a wild tangent but yeah so anyway well this is good it's a good time for us to wrap up so well um, let's have a recap why it is good to celebrate your anniversary right it's good for you to remind you where you came from correct right It, it causes me to reflect and to be grateful and to be you know so uh, humbled and um, happy about where I am today because of the perspective of the misery of where I was and where I am today it's just miles away I remember I used to go to therapy and it, I'd go every week the same day at the same time and it would just be like I don't know how I'm gonna make it to go to therapy I would just be so miserable and I, I used to ask him I'm like is it gonna get better He's like yes it's gonna get better 
And it does get better. It and, does get better. You know, week after week after it week. It gets better incrementally. It doesn't get better overnight. And But the chips, that's what they show. Yeah. And it does seem like a hell of a long time, even to get through the 24 hours, and then a week, and then the 30 days. You know, they but that's all. That's a motivating factor. It that's, is. That's a, that's and another that's another piece reason. Of... And like I said, you know, even if you're competing with someone at your meeting, like you have a recovery partner, a withdrawal partner, um, and we can talk about that in another podcast, but. That particular aspect of it is it, it's what motivated me at many times. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, watching Jennifer pick up her chip and she's got, how did you get 60 days? I remember saying that. How did you do that? <laughs> you know, I want that. So it, it is, that's another aspect of it. it is the motivation. And then it also shows, you know, someone who might be hurting. Yeah. You got eight years. That it's possible. How did you ever get eight years? Right, that they can't string, you know, 30 days together. You know, when I tell one of my sponsees that is really in it. She's working really hard. She's still struggling, but she's working really hard. And she's like, she goes, why is this so hard? And I said, because you're rebuilding your whole life. For me, it was about looking at everything I'd been taught, everything that I had learned, everything, you know, from my family, from my culture, it was like everything. And I had to rebuild my house. And every time I went to a meeting, it was like somebody gave me a nail. Or every time I talked to someone, it was like, I got a brick. Here you go. Here's a little nugget for you. And it's like, well, what am I going to do with this fucking brick? I need a house. Fucking start building. You do it brick by brick, nail by nail. Little piece of wood by piece of wood, you know? And it was like, you know, going to the meetings and going to the workshops and reading the literature and working the steps, you know, are just all pieces of rebuilding your whole house. And so, you know, my house today is a fabulous, beautiful, strong, hurricane-resistant structure that you know is filled with laughter and love and friends and you but know. it was crafted from you know no contact working steps a restructuring of your belief system yeah. you know we you know slaa that addiction that whole thing drives us to do and be something that we're not i'm going to be whatever i can be to yes. make him stay yes. i will do things that i would never right together outside of my value system to make him stay and then you get into slaa and you don't need to do that girlfriend you do not need to do that to be in love uh, do you realize you can take all of those things away and have a really joyous life and possibly even have a partner without any of that bullshit. Well, and what I say is that you did all that bullshit and it didn't work. So why not try it my way? Right. I don't know if you remember D.O. That's Those are yeah. her, initi her initials. Yeah. And she said that her higher power was a man named Bill. And Bill loved golf. And she got into golf. And she, like, you know, took lessons with golf and everything and it didn't, didn't matter. Bill still didn't, you know, want her. And it was like, you know, why settle and why go through all that stuff to be oh, somebody you're not? Oh, we will change our... Oh, I remember I would read articles in the newspaper that I knew he would be interested in. So when he came to talk to me on Monday, I already knew. I knew what happened at the Prairie View football game. As if I cared. Right. <laughs> 
and I could spatter off, you know, the running back's name and what, uh, you know. So that's it's a restructuring of the belief system and loving yourself again and celebrating all of those things and all of the time and and you know just the the desire to pull away from it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just I celebrate you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I know how hard it is. It's a lot of work. Thank you. So that's it for this edition of Sober Sisters Talk. Keep working a program. So you can let and let us know where your anniversaries are too. Sober Sisters Talk at gmail.com. We want to know how long have you been sober? Are you new? You know, whatever's going on, we want to hear from you. Okay, I'm MG. Elizabeth. And thank you guys so much. Bye-bye. Bye.